With the COVID-19 virus still circulating in the U.S. in the fall of 2020, it's helpful to know that most coming down with the virus don't have to be hospitalized. Even so, for many, the symptoms can be extensive and recovery can take weeks or months. Bobby, a 78-year-old New Yorker who lives alone, came down with COVID-19 in March 2020 and struggled with more than a dozen symptoms that fluctuated over a six-week period. She feels lucky that she was able to stay at her home through the illness. She says this was possible due to her primary care doctor and palliative care doctors who stayed in touch with her by phone. This is Bobby's story. New York City closed on March 13th, and on March 24th, I started showing symptoms, only I did not really think of it being COVID-19. I thought because we were sheltering in, I was feeling a little down and um, not as uh, energetic. And I was sort of having a little trouble sleeping with some uh, sweats, but I didn't think much of that. And all of a sudden, uh, that really started a few days before, like the 22nd. And on the 24th, I thought, "Uh uh-oh. And I called Dr. Audrey Chun, who's my doctor at at Sinai, and um, spoke first to her nurse. And then she called me back. Dr. Chun called back. I had taken my temperature. And my temperature was a little under 102. And I thought, oh, my God, that's what this is. So in terms of the timing, for three weeks, I had the following symptoms on and off. Um, I'll try to describe quickly sort of what that felt like. And then for the next three weeks, I had limited symptoms. Most had gone away, um, but one in particular stayed on and on and on, and that was the issue of dehydration, which I can describe. Uh, and then for the next six weeks, I have been, after the first six weeks, the next six weeks, I've really been going through a period of recovery and regaining strength because stamina is certainly a major issue. And here I am into mid-June, and I am thinking that it's going to take the rest of the summer. But I'm doing well. I'm not, uh, I'm not feeling badly about any of the stages of progress. It's just that um, you have to stick to it. So, so that's sort of my time frame. The um, issue of temperature, which is one of the ones that's often so publicized, I did not spike above 102 at all. And what I did do in terms of coping uh, was to create a chart so that every six hours I could check my temperature. In terms of System, the symptoms, uh, I made a list. So I'm just going to read you the list because there are too many to remember all of them. And they actually total 13. So I really should call CDC and say, you left some out because I don't think they list quite that many. The, the first ones that really gave me the warning when I finally paid attention to it were the sweats and chills which started happening every night. And I was pretty lethargic, which is what made me think maybe I'm just depressed, but then it became obvious that it was more exhaustion that was setting in. The following symptoms began right after that. Um, Headaches were absolutely excruciating. And there are two ways I describe how this felt. 
One was I felt like I'd been hit by a Mack truck because it just knocked you out in terms of your your energy or um, uh, uh, you know any anything you did took extra effort. And the other was I felt like my body was turned inside out because nothing felt like it would feel in a normal headache, for example. These headaches would hit you all around the front of your head, the back of your head. They would move around. They would come and go, be a little less, a little more. Everything was unpredictable. There was no progression of, oh, this is terrible. Now it's a little better and then a little better and a little better. It would be down and then go right back up. So you ended up, I certainly did feeling, okay, I'm not going to be surprised at anything or necessarily expect anything until everything starts winding down when, whenever that is. I had terrible sinus pain really up through my eyes. I had really crusty, dry eyes um, that no matter what, even with a, a warm compress, that didn't help. Loss of taste which is common, I gather, loss of smell, which all happened right away. I continually had this parched, dry throat. It felt sort of gravelly. And dehydration was a major issue that lasted the longest. No matter how much water I drank, and I drank constantly through day and night, I'd wake up every couple of hours and have more water. Nothing nothing satisfied it. Um, your, my skin was, uh, the best way I describe that is it felt creepy. It just was weird. I would um, uh, cream it a lot, but it just, it, just, it wasn't dry skin in the, in the same sense. I did have nightmares, um, not a lot, and for just a sort of concentrated period of time. And uh, one of the worst nightmares was I had uh, thought I was in my, house where my late husband and I had raised our children and someone was coming in through the top floor and because next door to us was a train station and all of the um, riders on the train were coming into my house to sleep there so my house was full of strangers and I was running around saying get out get out get out and I am convinced it was a little bit of an exorcism because this happened toward the end of the three weeks. And I was saying to the virus, get out, get out. That's my interpretation. That may, may not be, uh, you know, um, verifiable, quite frankly. Um, I had absolute exhaustion at all times. And at, I basically slept 12 hours at night and then tried to schedule myself so that during the day I wasn't going back to the bed. I would uh, go to a couch instead. Total loss of appetite. Um, and I, what I didn't have, though, uh, uh, that I want to emphasize is I did not have chest pain. I did not have shortness of breath. And I didn't have a cough. So luckily... Um, and I certainly consulted Dr. Chun about this. And she said from the very beginning, without those major symptoms, you don't want to come to the hospital. Can you take care of yourself at home? I live alone. And I said, absolutely. Um, and she was wonderful and stayed, stayed in close touch. So that's my symptoms. And those were really all happening 
coming and going, but all happening for a good three weeks. During the unpredictable days and weeks dealing with the virus and its many symptoms, Bobby found ways to cope. She tracked and treated the symptoms. She adopted daily self-care steps, such as showering and dressing comfortably. She eventually began walking in her apartment, increasing the time as she felt better. She also kept in close contact with her family and doctors. She realized she was fortunate compared to others who were sick and alone in hospitals or isolated in nursing homes. The way I coped with it, which I... Um which was helpful to me, and it's sort of the way I handled illness. I've never had an illness like this, ever, 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 but I've certainly been sick and been alone and had to take care of myself, was that I only used the bed at night, as I mentioned, and during the day, I set up a sort of routine for myself. So I had a schedule that I then thought I had to stick to. One was I kept a chart. So that, and in the chart was my temperature, taking the extra strength Tylenol. And that was really the only thing you could take for it in addition to electrolytes. I, I hope, uh, I don't insult anyone if they hear this and they like Gatorade, but I hated it. <laughs> but I took it. Um, and I would add that actually this is in a sense another symptom because I had no taste and no smell and no appetite. But water tasted awful. And I, I can't, I don't know words to describe what it tasted like. So actually diluting it with a little bit of Gatorade, which meant I had to do it constantly to get enough Gatorade, sort of helped. But that, that to me was the, the strangest, frankly, um, of all. I would get up in the morning, and after the first few days, I knew I needed to start this. I would take a shower and get dressed. And then for the rest of the day, and dress was pretty casual, but for the rest of the day, I would sort of move from the couch to the counter to eat a little something and then back to the couch. I tried to watch some television. I'm not a big fan, of particularly daytime television. It was a little distraction, but then it hurt to watch it for very long. So then I'd rest. So it was a very inactive time. My trainer that I've used for a number of years when he heard about this, texted me and said, just try to walk a little bit. So I started walking around with a timer, five minutes and then 10 minutes. And then over time, I worked up to 15 minutes. And that helped. And it also just helped uh, mentally, giving me a, um, a little something to do. I didn't, I certainly wasn't on the phone or the computer at all. I had no concentration. My two daughters stayed in close touch, and they texted, so I was able to, to connect that way. And um, I have to say, Dr. Morrison and uh, Dr. Meyer were fabulous. I've worked with them, you know, um, through my um, professional job, and they would text occasionally. And when I could give symptoms that were going on, it was reassuring to have them say, Oh, dear, that sounds terrible, but, uh, you know, stick it out, basically. There's nothing alarming about about what, what you're reporting. And I, I think probably the most important thing about coping for me was that I never felt scared because I didn't have, nothing was spiking. 
And I, I was in an apartment building and I had neighbors that were really, you know, very old friends actually, who would add my grocery list to theirs when they went shopping and leave it at my front door. So I wasn't stranded. And I knew that I could call on someone if I needed it. And I was always alert enough. I never felt like I was, uh, um, you know, not able to handle being alone. Um, and I, th the fact of self-care, I have to say to anyone who's listening, because uh, many of my friends since have said, well, how did you do that? And I just want to say, it was not hard. I didn't want it to be around anyone. There was, you don't want to be social. You don't want to, you don't want to have anybody intruding in this really uncomfortable space. You just want to get through it. And what I felt most was that I would endure and that I could endure. And um, uh, I was going to get through it. Bobby also benefited from palliative care specialists, a medical field she knows through her professional role. The palliative care doctors checked in to see if she had symptoms of concern, if she felt okay being alone, and whether she was able to stay in touch with her family. I've been associated with palliative care from an institutional side and always appreciated and understood how important it was because it enables any one of us in dealing with either our own sickness or a member of our family to have that much more support and strength and understanding. But frankly, going through this particular personal experience has given me a much deeper sense of palliative care, the practice of it, and the devoted and dedicated people that provide it. And for me, my doctors were wonderful. And I imagine having not talked to lots of other people who have suffered through this, that I was quite lucky to have this kind of caring support who, when they were texting me to ask how I was doing, was were asking, are you in touch with your daughters? And is there anything you need? And are there any symptoms that are bothering you right now? And are you feeling okay? Can you handle this on your own? That support and that connection meant all the difference in the world and was really the reason that I never felt scared. I never felt alone. I simply felt I could endure it and would, and I had the support to help me. Visit getpalliativecare.org to learn more about palliative care and for more information about COVID-19 for those living with serious illnesses. This episode was narrated and produced by Nick Ciavatta.